Today on the show, we're talking about you're not poor, you're broke. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name's Courtney. I'm your host. I'm joined with my co-host, Trevor. And today, we're talking about you're not poor, you're broke. Yeah, so I think this is an interesting concept. I, I, I do want to point out that I'm not, in this episode, I don't want to make light of poverty. So I'm going to use the word poor and po- poverty interchangeable because I, I believe is the same thing as poverty. It's just a different way of expressing it. And I, I do not want to make light of people who are suffering in poverty. They exist in Canada and it's real. But I think there's a lot of people that think they're poor when really they're just broke. I think this is a really great episode, like you said, to, to create that distinction. So throughout this episode, we're going to talk, there's four main sections we're going to hit up. Uh, we're going to talk about factors that would indicate poverty, four simple factors that can t- determine future poverty risk. We're going to move on to talking about factors that would indicate artificial poverty. So in this case, broke, not poor. And we're going to conclude by talking about reasons you might be broke, but think you are poor. So again, this is, I'm really, really excited for this episode. And and I kind of look at the distinction between both of of the the terms. So Trevor, let's dive into kind of defining. You said that poverty and broke are two different things. Can you just kind of define what the distinction is between the two? So poverty, these are my definitions. So poverty is... It's not about a lack of wealth. It is about a lack of opportunity. So if you have the opportunity, if you have the the ability to upgrade your skills or or if you you you're underemployed, meaning you 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 you've got a a skill set, but you're not working at that level for whatever reason, you're just broke. You're not you're not using all the resources you currently have to build wealth. Now broke is what a lot of people suffer from, but they think they're poor. Broke is an insufficient amount of wealth for a chosen lifestyle. And this is the the $65,000 truck <laughs> problem. <laughs> I, I love those distinctions. And, you know, I, I was going to say, we should update the, uh, I've recently seen, I was walking by a car lot. Oh, stop, for, for a walk, no. And there was, there was an $85,000 truck. And just for the record, it just looked like a truck. I mean, we walk by them and we, my, I play a game with my wife and she <laughs> she humors me, but I, I know she doesn't enjoy it. I go, how much do you think this one's worth? And she'll guess and uh, she's just playing along. But uh, one of them, I, I just stopped and I, I was silent, right? And she goes, she thought I hurt myself. <laughs> and I go, no, this truck's $89,000. And uh, I, I I completely, and I, I stood back and I said, okay, this truck does not look like it didn't have like monster wheels or was not unusual. So $85,000 truck, I think is my new <laughs> go-to expression. I mean, that thing should have superpowers or, or something at that price tag. Wow. Wow. Let's all just take a minute. Wow. So back back to our today's episode. So again, that's an example of, of something that would make you broke in a hurry. But why why do you think we get into this place where we like to confuse the two terms and the place that we are in within these terms? I know we're going to dive into all of that later in the show, but is there kind of a simple simple reason that this happens? Well, and I'm going to throw this out there again. I, I am not undermining the people that who are suffering in poverty, but a lot of people, they want to say they're poor. And that gives them the victim card. They get to play the victim card. You know, I am just a victim of society. I am poor. And the problem with not knowing the difference between whether you're broke or poor is you'll try to solve the wrong problem. Or, heaven forbid, if you believe, again, this is for the people who are not suffering from poverty. If you believe you're poor and you really aren't, you will just be powerless to solve the problem. Because, Because you've you've determined you're a victim of society. Therefore, I, I can't solve this. This problem is bigger than me. And, and you don't even try to solve your problem. So if, and, but, but on the flip side, if you are poor, if you are suffering in poverty, meaning you have a lack of opportunity to better yourself, but you're hard on yourself and you keep, you know, being, you know, mean to yourself because you're not progressing 
then that's wrong too. So you need to know the difference. It's, it's so important to know whether you are, if you're truly in poverty and you're poor and you have no opportunity to improve your position in life, or if you're broke, you've just chosen a lifestyle you can't afford. So know the difference is really important. That's, that is super, super powerful. And definitely, like you said, very key to understanding how we can progress forward and, and where we can kind of begin and in, in moving ourselves into a different situation. You know, in life, I'm guilty of this as much as the next person. We often run around with solutions to problems we don't have. And this is an example where if, if you thought you were poor and you were chasing down social programs and, and all sorts of things and finding out you don't qualify for funding for this and funding for that only because society decided you're broke, you're not poor. You could burn through a lot of time and energy trying to apply for social programs that you don't qualify for. So that's an example where you, you could burn through a lot of uh, unnecessary effort to, to accomplish nothing. No, that's, that's very, very, um, it's key. It's a really key realization. So when we when we are talking about the concept of poverty, I mean, is it? I know, of course, poverty and and broke are are two different concepts. But how do the two, I guess, intertwine? Can can you exist on one kind of end of the spectrum and and and, and kind of end up in the other end? Like where where is is there any overlap? I guess. Well, I'd like to start saying that you can end up in poverty two different ways really you you can be born into poverty and this is the most common form of poverty most people experience but you can find yourself in poverty through a series of bad events happening in your life so you could go from uh, living a very comfortable life to uh, uh, a miserable divorce a uh, and then your partner not providing child support and the system not acting in an efficient manner to help you, you could end up in poverty very quickly just through a series of events ending you there. So but you can end up in poverty two different ways. You can get broke. It's infinite. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Being broke is everywhere. But there's, there's my, so I did a bit of research on, on poverty because I really wanted, this, this, is, this show is really about people who are broke and acknowledging that you're broke. But I don't want to make light of poverty. So there's two kinds of poverty. There's relative poverty and absolute poverty. And they, those two things are kind of solved two different ways. So absolute poverty means you can't, your ability to sustain life is in question. Be it shelter, food, security, those things are in question on a day-to-day basis. That is absolute poverty. Relative poverty is society's measurement as to where you are and what society has deemed acceptable. So Canada has a, a poverty line, and that poverty line is, I, I would hope it's above absolute poverty, and it is, and I'm glad that it is. So either one, you're not broke, you're poor. And so I, I really, that distinction again is very powerful and a great beginning to this episode today where we do examine uh, the difference between the two and, and how we can really identify where we are um, in terms of uh, broke or poverty. So let's let's jump into first the four factors that might indicate we are in a space of, of poverty. Actually, before we get into that, I just want to talk about, I, 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 before we talk about poverty, I really want to state that it exists and I'm I'm very cognizant that it is out there. So in Canada, if you had to guess, Courtney, what what do you think the poverty rate in Canada is? Oh, I Th- this would be relative poverty. So Canada's deemed a, a certain level of income, anything below that you are considered in poverty. So if you had to just guess at a number, a percent. I I I would hope it's maybe 5% that's kind, of, that's kind of what I thought. I thought it was 5% or less. So in Canada, in 2017, which is the most current statistic I could find, it was 9.5%. So that, that says one of two things. So that's over 3 million people, just for numbers. Either we, we have, as a society, raised the bar, which I hope that's the case, 
or we have let a lot of people fall through the cracks. So it, it's one or the other. But Canada measures the poverty rate is is defined as a family's ability to afford a basket of goods. And that basket of goods is kind of a vague term, but it, it it's it's beyond survival needs. It's there is some comfort of life in that, it, like minimal comfort of life. But there's some security. There's housing. There's food, energy. So I, I really believe. I hope it's that number is as high as it is because Canada has raised the bar so high. It is it is a very astounding number when we put it into actual um, when we take it from percentage to actual uh, population size. It's it's really astounding, and I mean we are very fortunate to live in a country filled with social services as well to to kind of um, aid to uh, the individuals that fall into into this number. So. It, in in note of that, I think it's important to talk about the actual the actual factors that indicate that we are in a state of of poverty when individuals are in a state of poverty to really separate and create that distinction between poverty and broke so that maybe if if we're going through this list of four things and you're kind of like yes 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 I I'm I'm I have I'm fortunate to have these things that would mean therefore that I I might fall in the broke factor. So number one is access to education. So in my definition, I, I said poverty is is a, not a lack of wealth, but a lack of opportunity. So if you don't have access to education that everybody else does, so if you, if for whatever reason you can't get a formal education, that that lack of opportunity is going to hold you back in life. That, even even a high school education, so in Canada that that's it's it's it's, it's a legal requirement. So, but but a, a advanced education, if you don't have access to that, I would say you definitely like, and it it could be you you could get the funding for the education, but you still you don't have enough money to to survive while you're going to school. That still represents a limited access or lack of ac- access to that opportunity. The second factor is access to housing. So uh, we, we have an election going on right now. One of the, uh, all the um, candidates are, are campaigning on is affordable housing. And not having access to affordable housing, if you, if you are pouring all everything you have into unaffordable housing, then all of a sudden all the other things that survival needs start to become in question. So without affordable housing in, in our country or in your community, I, I think, so you, you, even though you have a roof over your head, if it's not affordable housing, which will detract from all your other, your ability to meet all your other survival needs, I would say you, that would be an indication of poverty for sure. And this one is huge because we always say how housing and, and, and transportation, but housing in particular is one of our biggest expenses. So if this if this is really um, going above and beyond your means of you being able to afford, I mean, this is huge. And so being able to offer more affordable housing is powerful. Number three is access to savings or investing. So even home home ownership is a form of investing in that it's it's a wealth building tool. So anything that would allow you to build wealth, actually education is a wealth building tool. So if you don't have easy access, like I have, I can go on the internet, I can go to and down to a bank, I have access to investing opportunities all the time. And if you have again through a lack of earning potential, you that could restrict your access to saving and investing. So you end up, you're, you're, you're meeting your basic survival needs from week to week or day to day. That is a sign of poverty. And last but not least, the fourth factor that would indicate poverty is access to the free market. And so not giving the resources, you, the free market is your ability to walk into a store and buy food. And if, here's an example. There's a lot of stores that have signs on them that says, no shoes, no service. If you can't afford footwear you can't buy groceries that's an example how you don't have access to the free market our societies deem that necessary and i'm not saying we should change that but if you can't afford footwear and to be honest i have walked past people in metropolitan cities who do not own footwear and and they in essence don't have access to the free market because of that but there could be other factors that 
you could be you you could appear um, to certain establishments that you might be disrupt their business and they don't want you in just based on your appearance. Again, if you're in poverty, you you could be I'm going to say illegally restricted from the free market. So those are the four factors that would indicate poverty. And and I, I think then now it's it's kind of important to talk about maybe the four simple factors that can determine future poverty risk. And there's four on this list as well, uh, with the first being race. So I, I just want to say we're talking about poverty because I don't want to make light of the people who are suffering poverty. I I, I doubt many of the people listening to this podcast are are victims of poverty. If, if you have an eye... A, a, smartphone to you're using to listen to this podcast i'm thinking you have some financial resources behind you you've you've made financial decisions so you probably are not but you you may know of somebody who's suffering from poverty that's uh, i but this podcast is really about i'm proving to you that you're not poor you're broke and so we're going through elaborate defining of poverty to prove to the listener that you're not poor you're broke so so race these are these are Factors. I, I found this on the internet. That this these are people who would be sus, sort of at risk. So if you're a visible minority, chances there's there's a better chance that you are gonna have at a very I hope a sub you know you're gonna have limited you could have limited access to things that I'm gonna say a, a Caucasian okay in our society a, a white male may have more access to things than. Than a visible minority, that's kind of been a, a battle that's been going on for a hundred years in this country. Oh, definitely. And I mean, this this episode first too is it, it feels kind of heavy right now. But again, to Trevor's point, uh, the, the, really the the clear distinction about uh, poor and broke, I think, is so important. Before we get to the rest of the show, number two is education. And so I talked about this in the other one. If you're uneducated you are at risk for future po- future risk of poverty. So a lack of education could put you in that category as well. And like you said, simply due to the fact that it does, uh, it does have the potential to raise your, your earning ability. Number three is marital status. And this is one I thought was kind of odd, but if you're single, you, you tend to not have as big of a, of a support system. So if you do fall in hard times, you... There, there isn't a safety net there or, or as big of a safety net to help you out. So statistically speaking, single people are more susceptible to be at risk of poverty. And the fourth, uh, fourth simple factor that could de- can determine future poverty risk is your age. And this one makes sense to me. I mean, a lot of people it might not, but in the article I read, it was 25 was, it was the age. So if, if you can make it past 25... Your, your risk of falling into poverty drops off dramatically. And it, it kind of makes sense. If if you don't have life figured out by 25, you, you know, in, in, in terms of meeting your survival needs, there's a good chance you're not going to figure it out. I'm not saying you can't, but you, statistically speaking, if you haven't figured it out at 25, then I, I don't like your chances of, of it working out for you. So a, a bad start in life kind of leads to bad places. So that really kind of defines and outlines how, what poverty is, what it represents and, and how it really shows up in our society. We're going to jump now into. And I, I just want to say that if, if I talked earlier that you, you have to know whether you're poor or broke so you can make sure you're solving the right problem. And if you are in fact poor, Courtney mentioned it, social programs, you couldn't pick a better place a better country to be poor in, in that Canada is just oozing with social programs to help people get a, a leg up and manage. So I would say if you, you know, if this sounds like you, these these things that kind of identify poverty, pursue the social programs that are available to you in this country. And and I I would hope it would help. So I want to talk, dive into our next section. And this next section is factors that would indicate artificial poverty. So this means broke, not poor. So Trevor, when we are in the space of, and and we kind of feel that, uh, it may be, it may feel like we are in a space of, of being poor, but we're actually broke. I mean, 
there, there's a continuum. I guess if we, if we kind of look at it that way, we, we may be very broke, a little bit broke. Are we going to kind of all see these factors, experience these factors or, or again, it, because it's a continuum of maybe very broke, a little bit broke, kind of broke. I'm not sure if you can split it out that way, but will we feel things uh, more kind of heavily or more severely or is a feeling a feeling? I think a feeling is a feeling. So there's four things in the in this section here, and I would say all of these would be present, or 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 none of them would be present. Like I I don't think you're gonna you're gonna experience some of these and some of them you won't. All of these will be present if in fact you're broken, not poor. So to start this list, then, um, and a factor that might indicate you are broke, not poor, is that your situation is temporary with a known solution. And this is. Again, if if you own a sixty five thousand dollar truck or eighty five, or eighty five, and you feel poor, meaning you you you're having trouble paying your rent, or you're having trouble buying groceries, you're you're buying groceries with your credit card because you haven't got any money in the bank. The known solution is obvious. You know, sell your truck, right? It, or a lot of people are house poor. There's people who live in in very large homes uh, in in the town I live in that are in poor repair. And I, I drive by these houses and I think that is odd. You know, this house is in a really nice neighborhood. It's a, it's quite a large home, but it clearly, it needs new windows. It needs new doors. You know, the lawn is in, in is a mess. The driveway is falling apart, but the house is ginormous. <laughs> and when I, when I see that, I think these people are house poor, but I'm using poor. They're actually house broke. So I, I think... So your situation is is temporary. This probably should have said your situation is temporary or there's a known solution. And so the temporary solution is as soon as this debt's paid off, you know, you're going to free up a lot of money. That That's quite often the temporary part of this. Or even if maybe the solution's not known, so maybe we know it's temporary or maybe we have a problem, I'm just kind of admitting the the known making the solution known to ourselves or not wanting to make that solution because who wants to sell their $65,000 check if you have one well then that's it quite often the solution is known but you don't know yes and that's that's where it falls apart if there's a solution like quite often if you went to see a financial coach or a counselor they would you know look at your your financial situation, and it would be obvious to them where you might be blind to the solution. The next item on our four item list here is you have a safety net. So again, these this is a factor that would indicate we are broke, not poor. And if you have a safety net in life in general, and I'd say anyone who has family generally has a safety net unless you've exhausted that safety net <laughs> one too many times, which could happen. But if you have a safety net, the safety net could actually be access to credit. Not that I'm, you know, condoning that, but if you have access to credit, be it a home equity line of credit or just a, a credit card, then I, I would say you're not poor. You, you are just broke. Because if, if, if our financial institutions are willing to grant you credit, they must see some sort of value in you or some sort of earning potential that you're not sort of maybe maximizing. So I would say if you have a safety net of any kind, so somebody who's in true poverty, they they literally, that's it. It's them against the world. And if it's you against the world, a lot, a lot of people might think it's me against the world, but if you actually were really in hard times, you'd be surprised the people that come to your aid. So I absolutely love, I love this point for a number of reasons because it's really one that it takes perspective to kind of look at it. I mean, some people have like knowing they have a safety net, but can assure themselves they'll never, ever, ever use it. Some people rely on that safety net and make kind of maybe hazardous decisions because they know it's there. And there's just really kind of fascinating outlook that we all can have on safety nets. And I would say if you're a parent with adult children, I would say to you that you should periodic periodically remind your children like I have adult children and I would help them out of any situation like I would never watch them crash and burn and I take it upon myself to remind them that frequently and quite often a good time to remind them as is when your your child is going through a stressful time 
or thinking about taking a risky move in life. And if you, if you as a parent say, you know, if this doesn't work out, you have a family behind you supporting you. I mean, you don't have to, you know, write, hand over a blank check and say, you know, if this doesn't work out, just <laughs> write the number in there and cash that bad boy. It's, <laughs> it's good. You know, you, you, you can remind them that you're, you'll, you will help them through the tough times. So it's reminding your, obviously, if you got non-adult children, the safety net's kind of, it's on you as a parent, you're, you're, you're responsible for your children. But with adult children, I would, you know, just recently, I, I, my, I, everyone, I, anyone who listens to this podcast, I had a car go on me, die, and I had to replace it. And I was at my parents' place. And remember, I'm in my 50s. And I was at my parents' place. And just as conversation, uh, I, I was driving around with my father and he noticed this vibration in my car. And I said to him, hey, you know that vibration you noticed in my car? It turns out it was this, a $3,000 repair. So I, I've decided to, you know, give up on that car and, and get another one. And the first words that in my mother's mouth were, do you need help with that? <laughs> and I said, well, I, I'm in my 50s. If I, if I need help with a, a used car, I, I'm in real trouble is what I said. I wanted to put her mind at ease. But I after I left, I, I kind of felt comforting knowing that, gee, even at my age, I still have a safety net in my parents, which is crazy, right? I, I would hope I wouldn't need it. But when you have young kids starting out in life, I think it's important to remind them uh, not every day or like you don't want to, you don't want to sort of say, you know, throw caution to the wind and just see if it works. You want them to be calculating about the risk they take in life, but offer them that safety net periodically. I, th- I think it's a good thing to do. It's funny because I still remember when uh, when I left for post secondary university, I remember I remember my my parents kind of easing. They they I I always knew they were going to be there as a safety net, but it was just, it was just funny because that kind of the fine line of don't party too hard, but and then we're still here for you, and it's just that kind of that fine line of I think that transition where your parents are there for you, but. But again, not kind of like you said, writing a check for you as as you're walking out the door. So that was point number two. You have a safety net. Number three is you have options. So if you are truly in poverty, you have no options. So just I'll just paint a little picture. You're uh, a single mother, not getting child support, and you have a minimum wage job, and you have two kids, and you're living in a uh, bachelor apartment in a very very bad part of town. Now that person, you know, I'm going to say, you know, not many options on the table there, right? Like, and you're in the minimum wage because you don't have any formal education. So I'm going to say that person is, is probably at some level in poverty. If you have options, if choice could solve your problem or improve your situation, then you are broke. You know, so if you're in a bad financial place and you have choice, and you have options, then then you are you absolutely you you have a, a insufficient wealth for the life cho- lifestyle you have chosen. Growing up for you, how did how did this come into play for you, knowing that you had options? Well, I, I had options in that I pursued a formal education. So, I, so here's here's an example of options. I think I have been working. Uh, I, I have turned down promotions that I thought, you know, that sounds a little, the, the promotion I turned down on a few occasions, it was just stress I didn't want. And the extra money is, I, I, who couldn't use extra money, but I didn't need it. So that was, so me turning down those jobs, you know, saying, you know, I, I think I'll pass on that opportunity, but thank you. I, I, I had in the back of my mind that if I ever needed that, it's it's good to know that somebody saw in me that I, I might be capable of that. So obviously, once you turn down that job opportunity, it's gone, right? Somebody else took it. But to think I might be, uh, I obviously appear to have that skill set to somebody so I could offer my skills to another organization and, and improve my my pay scale that way. So growing up, having those options through because of a formal education that is a so if i ever needed money so here's another thing um everyone who listens they know uh me and my wife we had twins and financially it didn't make sense for both of us to go to work and pay for daycare financially there 
the math didn't make any sense. So we've designed a life where I went out to work and my wife stayed home. So I knew that just say I lost my job, I got laid off, company closed, whatever. I could stay home all the time with the kids. And my wife, ha- again, she has formal education. She could go out and get a job. There's a, a place where we, I had options. I, I had, we were literally utilizing 50% of our earning potential. So we had options. So I loved living below my means. And, and when you do that, when you live below your means, you have savings, you have earning potential. Like you, you, so I clearly, I was, we were living on 50% of our earning potential. So well below our means. Now the the 50% we were earning, we were spending almost all of that to survive, but there was, there was a earning potential that we weren't even tapping into. So knowing that you had options, knowing that you had a safety net, that that's comforting. It is comforting. And when you stop and think about it, I'm sure you realize that you had both, but at the same time, me and I'm sure everyone listening to this can still say, but Trevor, it's sometimes hard to gain perspective on that. And in the in those kind of very tense, uh, sticky situations, sometimes it sometimes it can still be stressful, regardless if you have that safety net or those options in place. Well, and if you are broke, and quite often the option is selling your boat, selling your RV, those people hate to sort of, because you're admitting you made a mistake when you do that. But by by making those choices, that that's an option, right? If you could sell assets that that are giving you the appearance of being poor, right? If, if all your money is going into monthly payments of recreational vehicles, if selling those could solve your problem or improve your situation, then you're not poor, you're broke. I like that. Just just really looking around at, at, at what is in your life and, and the options that are there. The last but not least item on this list and the factors that would indicate artificial poverty, so being broke, not poor, is you have something to lose. And remember, the whole thing about going through this is to make sure you're solving the right problem. If you are in fact broke and you're you think you're poor you're, you're you're trying to solve the wrong problem or vice versa so if you have something to lose it could be your truck it could be your rv it could be your house it could be your savings it could be but if you have some financial loss that is frightening you then you are broke if if you have because the person in true poverty I remember talking to somebody who was in poverty in the 2008 recession and they were working a minimum wage job and they were, they, the situation they described to me was they were in a rooming house, which that's where you have a shared bathroom and a shared kitchen with a bunch of strangers. That's a terrible living arrangement, but that's all they could afford. And they were, had a minimum wage job. And even at that, it wasn't full-time hours in, in the depths of the 2008 recession. And I, I, I remember saying, do you remember that 2008 recession? And it was, it was just terrible. And they said, you know, I, I was in poverty during that time. I didn't even know what was happening. And I, I said, how can you not know a recession was going on? And the more we talked, I realized we got to the point where the person said, I had nothing to lose. Like the, I, there's nothing that could be taken away from me. I owned nothing except the clothes on my back. And enough money to buy a meal that that was their living condition. So, when you have nothing to lose, that's a, you wouldn't even know a recession's happening. So that that person was in pure poverty. They they didn't even know it existed. Wow! And, and again, that really really speaks volumes to this point and and the distinction between broke and poor. So when you talk to people who are are you know very, you know stressed out. And they, they they think they're poor, but they're they're actually broke. They're stressed out because they have something to lose. Something's on the line. They, they could lose their home. They could lose their car. They could lose their truck. They could, could lose their job to pay for the truck and pay for the home. Exactly. All those things. So if you have something to lose, so the minimum wage job, if you lost that minimum wage job, how stressful would you be? You, you'd go get another minimum wage job. In Canada, There's a, they call it a minimum wage. So you might be working in a retail earning a minimum wage, you would go work in a, a restaurant and earn minimum wage. So you, 
I'm not saying minimum wage jobs are falling from the sky in a recession, but I like your chances in a recession of replacing a minimum wage job as opposed to replacing a six-figure income job. Oh, so again, you mentioned if you have a six-figure job, you have something to lose. But if you if you have a minimum wage job, yeah, I would be pretty confident I could go out tomorrow and get a minimum wage job. Oh, for sure. I that 100% makes sense. So our final section to cover in this episode today is reasons you might be broke, but think you are poor. So this section's a little different than the previous one. I know it kind of sounds the same, but this is looking at it from the other side. So the first reason you might be broke, but think you are poor is you're consumed with first world problems. So this is, this one, if you hear people who are stressed out, you know, they, they can't get ahead and, and, and life's just against me. All the, everything I do, it's, it's against me. And they're typing that to you on a, a iPhone 11 pro. <laughs> Chances are they're broke. They're not poor, right? They, they, if they're complaining about uh, their brand new SUV needs a, trans, a new transmission, you know, you, if you're solving first world problems, you are absolutely broke. People who are poor, they're worried about food. They're worried about shelter. You know, they're worried about making rent on, on a on a an apartment, not making a mortgage payment. Definitely, and that's a kind of a very very obvious and easy to understand uh, distinction. But you could think you're poor, right? You can get into that trap so easily. And again, you're trying to solve the wrong problem if you think you're poor. And again, this is one of the other points where it's it's kind of just easy to lose perspective. I'm sure we've all been here when we've felt like the, the sky is falling down on us just due to stress or situations. Or like you said, Trevor, in the last section that you have something to lose. And I'm sure we've all felt, but again, it's, it's easy to lose perspective. Uh, the second reason you might be broke but think you are poor is that you compare yourself to others. This one, this one is the, the kind of the money point of this episode. So if you are going to make a comparison and you're going to wonder if you're broke or poor, I, I've talked about this before. If you would have did anything five years ago to be where you are today, that's a comparison worth making. Now, if, if just say the opposite, if you would have given anything to be where you were five years ago, as opposed to where you are today, then you you may be heading in the wrong direction. That That's a comparison. Those are comparisons worth making. I, I love the three to five year window. But if you start comparing yourself to other people, that then you could convince yourself that you're suffering some in, in poverty of some level. But it's really... So I mentioned relative poverty we that's a measurement we use to measure our societal what we're willing to accept people should not live below this line that's a comparison worth making and but you're comparing yourself to society in general not a specific people but when you get in the trap of comparing yourself to other people and saying you know maybe somebody owns a fancy car you don't even own a car at all you say well i must be poor i can't even afford a car i'm poor well I'll go back to my first point. You're trying to solve a first world problem with that problem, right? You're, I don't have a car. Well, that, that is really a first world problem. I don't have a car. That, that is, so comparing yourself to others, compare yourself to yourself in different stages of your life. That is a worthwhile thing. Comparing yourself to your friends or your neighbors is a waste of time. This is a, it's an interesting point. I, I mean, no, I, I can agree with you completely, but to kind of, I guess throw out maybe an example with the with the car and car example. Where where would that fall if you live in a small town and maybe public transportation isn't um, readily available or isn't very maybe it's not it's not kind of something that's uh, can not can I don't want to use the word convenient but maybe it's not consistent or there's it's not really kind of well developed. Um, and you maybe need a vehicle to get to your job. Like where, where do kind of examples, is it just a matter of convenience at that point or how can you, can you shed some light on kind of those types of examples? So that's a great example, actually. So let's just say you're, you live in a downtown of a metropolitan city and you don't own a car 
and you're comparing yourself to somebody who lives in a, in a small town or in the middle of nowhere, and they have a really nice car. So this person who lives in the small town, the cost of housing is probably dramatically less, and that enables them to put more money into transportation, owning a car. The person who's living downtown in a metropolitan city, they have a lot of money going into renting an apartment or owning a property and less money to put toward transportation, such as a car. So if those two people were comparing each other, then that would be where comparing yourself to others falls apart, right? But but what about the other way? What about two individuals who live in a small town? One has a car and one doesn't, yet, yet having a car... And and so in that small town, public transportation isn't readily available. It's not, um, it's not very. It's it's maybe it's not a, just a popular thing. I know in metropolitan city, city cities, public transit is it's you don't even need a car. But what about in that scenario? Small town, one has a car, one doesn't. One can maybe more readily get to their job. The other, like wh- how like how does that play out? Because there you may feel maybe that are you are you too poor to afford a car are you too like how are you just broke like how does that work well i i wouldn't call you poor at that point just because you couldn't afford a car but if just say you couldn't even earn an income if you didn't have a car just just say that was your scenario if you, if you didn't own a car you couldn't get to any job anywhere then i would say you probably live in the wrong place you know you've cho you're you're you, where you've chosen to live is really bad. <laughs> and I, I'm not saying those places don't exist, but you'll end up with with a insufficient wealth for a chosen lifestyle. So if, if, okay, if buying the car gets you to a job and you at the end of the day you end up with no money, that job just pays for you to drive to go get the job, that's a bad decision. So I, I here's my example. So I lived in the city. Me and my wife lived in the city. We found out we we're having twins. And so my wife staying home and raising the kids and me working and living in the city, that math did not work. In fact, if I would have stayed there, I would have been, I would have considered myself broke. I would have felt poor. I might have put the poor tag on myself, but I would have been broke. No question. That math was not going to work. I designed a life where the math would work. So I moved to a small, low-cost area. My wife still stayed home and raised the kids. I ended up with a reasonably well-paying job, and it all worked out. But I could have stayed there in the city and tried to work with bad math and, and, and got brokes. So I'm saying you, you have to design the financial life that's going to work for you. You can't just sit and say, I'm... Okay. So if if you end up playing, I could have played the victim card. Oh, I had twins. Poor me. Uh, I I can't afford life anymore. Um, what am I going to do? I I could have played the victim, but I didn't. I found a solution. And that actually really bleeds into the next point in this list: reasons you might be broke, but you're but think you are poor, and and that is you don't take ownership. So in that example, Trevor, you really obviously you can't. Uh, you have twins. It's a fact. It, it, it's 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 your life, and you, for that example, of course, took ownership. But what are other ways that we take ownership, and and why is this point so crucial to our list? So I gave you an example where, uh, you know, I obviously didn't um, send in a request for twins. <laughs> they they just showed up, right? I I didn't I didn't ask for twins. I didn't hope for twins. I was just delivered twins. That, that's just. A, a card that life played for me. And so, so I gave an example where somebody ends up in a, a, a bad marriage, divorced, no child support. They didn't ask for that either, right? They, they, obviously, they, they chose their partner in life and it didn't work out, but I, you can't hold someone accountable for that. People change. Those two scenarios, what I had was I had options. I had a formal education. I, I had a marketable skill. Somebody who doesn't, then they truly... Are, how do you take ownership for something that happens to you when you, and you, you can't, I'm not going to blame somebody for not getting a formal education. Who knows whatever circumstances they didn't get that. This is, this is where you are. So you, you, you can't start from where you wish you were. You have to start with where, where you are currently. So you might've wished you had a formal education. Therefore you could have got a better paying job, but 
where you are is where you are. And so if you are dealt circumstances, so taking you can't take ownership of something that happens to you given your situation. Now, if, if you buy a whole bunch of things you can't afford and, and end up losing your job, then I, I think you need to own that. You know, that that's something that didn't happen to you. Those are decisions you made and end up in a bad place. So there's a distinction to be made there. I, I really, I do like that distinction. Fourth and finally on our list of reasons you might be broke but think you are poor is that you don't understand the Maslow hierarchy of needs. So Trevor, we talk about the Maslow hierarchy of needs quite often here in the podcast, but for anyone who hasn't explored what that means, do, do you want to just kind of talk us through that and, and how it applies to, to, this, to our, this point right now? Well, the, I love the Maslow hierarchy of needs. I talk about it all the time and I think about it a lot. And it kind of starts with your survival needs and it, it kind of works up to like self-actualization and which is kind of caught up in status symbols and things like that. So, but what happens if you don't understand this hierarchy of needs and you don't have to understand it like at a psychology level, but you have to understand it exists and, and how it flows and you'll end up being broke if you're trying to solve high, Maslow hierarchy of need problem number five when you haven't even addressed problem number two. And so if you are, if you're moving down the Maslow hierarchy of needs not in order, you will, you will think you're poor, but you're actually broke. So an example is you buy a $85,000 truck. And so and that is a, a status symbol, right? So that, that's very uh, far down that Maslow hierarchy of needs. And then you can't pay your rent, which is shelter, right? That's your safety and security. You, you can't pay your rent, you get evicted. So you're so busy solving something way down the Maslow hierarchy of needs that you neglected like something very basic. And so when you don't understand that, that flow and you don't, you don't solve those needs in your life in order, then you, you will say, I can't afford food. I can't afford rent. Well, those are basic survival needs I can't afford. I must be poor. But no, 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 you're broke because you have an $85,000 truck in your driveway. And this is where it all falls apart. People, people's homes go power of sale, meaning the bank takes it away from you. And, but, and I've, I've seen, so I've seen, the okay, I get caught in these YouTube rabbit holes. I've seen, uh, automobile repossessions like they're t they're taking a Cadillac escalator to someone's driveway and there's a power of sale meaning the bank is putting your house up for sale on the front lawn and I'm thinking okay you don't have a you don't have a place to live but you had a Cadillac escalator which you don't have anymore because the repo man just took it but if you don't have that if you don't understand the Maslow hierarchy needs and solve them in order you will think you're poor because because you can't solve the basic your basic need because you, you you've addressed something further down. I mean, I'm gonna repeat myself, but I'm getting kind of worked up because I see a lot of this. No, it's it. I feel like it is very common. I'm gonna read off the Maslow hierarchy of needs. So I mean, and you can also kind of Google it after the show as well. But just to kind of visualize it, so you have uh, physiological needs, which are air, water, food, shelter, sleep, clothing. Those are kind of your physiological needs at the bottom of this triangle. You move up one layer, you have safety needs. So that's personal security, employment, resources, health. Um, one more level up is love and belonging. That's friendship, family, a sense of connection. One more layer up is esteem. So this is respect, self-esteem, status, recognition, strength, and freedom. And finally, the tip of the triangle at the very top is self-actualization. So that's a desire to become the most that one can be. And so the $65,000 truck <laughs> would be the top of that pyramid if I'm, if I'm you know, given my example, right? Yeah, or, or even esteem, status, that if, that, if that's what it represents. But yeah, no, you're completely right, Trevor. If you don't have the the physiological needs, shelter satisfied, I mean, you got to start start from the bottom and work your way up. Yeah, and if you get these out of order, you will think you're poor without question. It's, it's so true. I, I've never kind of conceptualized it the way you just explained it. I'm like, yeah, no, that makes sense. So before we end this, I, th I just want to give my definitions of poverty and broke again, because I think it, I just want that to be sort of the lasting thought. So poverty is not about a lack of wealth. 
it's about a lack of opportunity. And broke is about an insufficient amount of wealth for a chosen lifestyle. And if you really let those set in, I think you'll you'll realize what problem you're trying to solve if you have one at all. And on that note, that brings us to the very end of today's show on You're Not Poor, You're Broke. Thank you so much for being here with us for today's episode. We, we hope you are enlightened. Uh, we can't wait to have you back here with us next week for a brand new show. Until then, keep it simple.